Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Marie. And this is Mock It, a podcast sponsored by MetroStar, where we take a deep dive into UX design, trending design topics, and talking with our friends in the field. Let's get started. Yeah, so today we are doing another one of our OG styles and going back to just uh, without a guest and just one-on-one with uh, Marie and me. So for today, we're going to be talking about storytelling for clients as well as storytelling for our internal teams. So Marie, I'm going to jump right in on this topic and uh, ask you to tell us a little bit of uh, what does storytelling mean in relation to UX And then we can uh, dive into a little bit with reference to our internal team and clients. Awesome. So yes, I am very pumped about this topic. Um, I hope this topic will resonate with um, specifically designers from the perspective I'm going to talk about with if you've ever felt um, struggles with um, when you're reviewing your solutions or your designs, like people are only focusing on the colors, they're only focusing on the fonts or like the best when they're only focusing on the photos that you have dropped in with the watermarks on. Um, and the, that is the feedback that you are getting rather than um, you're really looking for more of that holistic feedback of is this actually solving the problem um, and not, you know, moving pixels, changing colors. Um, so that's what this storytelling um, of your projects is really going to help um, you be able to not curate how the feedback comes, but help uh, encourage folks to give you that feedback that you're looking for. Like, I guess it's like coaching them into it rather than getting stuck on like, oh, you have the word the here and it shouldn't be here, right? Because those are all things that we can change super easy on the fly, not a problem, um, but it's what is that solution that's going to go to the developers to architect and really spend a lot of that time in. So to start storytelling in relationship to UX and your projects is um, very similar to, you know, just telling a story to your friends about like what happened in your life. How'd you learn from it? Like, where are you at? Um, So it's sharing of ideas and experiences. And then for the UX, um, we're bringing in, um, building up that, or not building, I guess it's building, um, portraying our users as the main character in that story. So right now pulling in, um, providing context and a storyline for our audience, which is um, in some cases your clients or your internal team um, to be able to empathize and build that connection to who we're trying to solve for. Um, And then also within storytelling, sometimes you need to have that raw data also, um, depending on your situation. Um, And folks, you know, again, right, knowing your audience, kind of like knowing your audience for who you're solving for, um, knowing your audience audience of who you're presenting to and what information really sticks with them. So I... I really like this topic. I feel like I'm going to put you a little bit in the hot seat with like, like asking questions. I think maybe our listeners might, might ask for. So in full transparency, I sat in on definitely one, if not two of these meetings, like when we were starting to introduce this into the team, when we, mm-hmm. you, we, you were introducing this <laughs> into the team. <laughs> and um, one thing, so I guess like kind of going back to like, like the very beginning of like um, 
like the purpose of this and stuff like that with storytelling and the way at least that it was originally presented and again this might be just like I might have old information you might have updated how how we do this but with storytelling do you do you always start with um kind of like when when does storytelling start like if you're doing this with an internal team do you start with the internal team of like getting them on board with this mindset do you start with the client like how do you like you're like, I'm going to do storytelling. Where, where do you go from there? Right. Um, where do you go from there? So we were <laughs> yeah. just talking. No, no small questions. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about before we hit record. I am so pumped about this now because I feel like over the last uh, six or so months, um, I've started to finally come across resources that I can get those tangible things to this whole concept of storytelling. Um, so if I sound like super confident and I got it and you're like, how the hell did this person get to this point? No joke. I was like right there like two weeks ago. Um, and I'll share it later on, um, in the episode as we get there, um, the great resource that I found, um, off of a Google search, right? Like the theme of our shows a lot of the time is, you know, you can just learn from Google. I don't even know what I put in to find this gold, um, but it was uh, from a senior UX leader in the field named Bob Ricca. And it was um, what he presented on gave me tangible pieces to finally understand this big hoo-ha of storytelling is the way to do it all. Um, I know we were talking about, I can definitely go back to a point five years ago and was like, all of a sudden I heard like storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. And I was like, how the hell, how the <laughs> heck do I apply this? Like when I'm sharing design concepts to a client, right? Like I get the storytelling and like an article a company might post it, might post, might post. Um, but I like, I couldn't understand how to relate that over into what, I was doing as a designer or what now the team does um, to present our research, to present our work. Um, I'm totally, I'm so deeply involved in this. I forgot what your question was. No, it, it's totally cool. I think like you sort of, you sort of answered it with um, how like, I guess I'm trying to think like when you're going to do storytelling, do you start with getting your, your team on board with like into this mindset or do you just like, you're like, we're going to present it to the client. Like, like, where do you, like, how do you start? Like, how do you incorporate storytelling? Okay. That's exactly what I, I remember now. Um, so we started incorporating it. I've, um, I don't know how to say like, Oh, you just like did it, but it kind of was, I came across this and you've experienced my ideas of, Oh, Hey, I found this, this might be of interest. What do you all think? Um, so I found this after having gone through um, one of my Coursera courses um, in which in one of those courses, it really talked about grooming epics, which was a concept I've never heard out of um, the whole agile process. So I also don't know if it is specifically a thing because we groom stories, um, but I found grooming our epics helped us start to do this storytelling without doing it formally, like we'll show what the story arcs are. But what it helped us do was instead of like, you create an epic and then you have all the stories to it and you write the user stories and 
you know, maybe our team could just write better user stories. But I think for a lot of teams, it's like user X wants to do blah because they can do blah. But that doesn't really tell me, like, how is user X feeling? How are, how are they seeing things done? How do they want to feel? Um, it's missing a lot of that richer information that you would get, you know, in a story, in a narrative about your user and the problem to solve that we, I noticed that our team was struggling with that, um, you know, and maybe more so because we were remote. So a lot of conversations have to be intentional and not just like, the, oh, hey, this hit my, hit me in the head. Like, what about this? So we started grooming our epics um, where we started off with working through, um, we have a set of personas, but what was that persona specifically struggling with that this epic was solving? Right, like your personas can have a couple of pain points um, that need to be resolved in your product. So what was this specific epic resolving? And sometimes now that we've done it a while, our personas start to like overlap, but there is like a, it's like a focused persona that sounds weird. Focus persona of your persona. Um, but it's like a focused like timing of that experience your persona is going through. Like what is that goal that they're going through? Um, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are their challenges? And then we move on after everyone has an understanding of that. And we sit there. Um, I know our UX researcher contributes a lot to this. But we do, we sit there in the silence of those phone calls and wait for the whole team to contribute and the whole team to say something um, because that also helps you only retain like 10 or 20% of what's presented to you. But if you're actually participating and contributing, you will retain more, right? Because you've had to digest it, think about it, and now you're sharing your thoughts. So we will sit there in that awkward silence and then move on to um, writing a problem statement as a team, you know, and working it out. Like sometimes we have a couple problem statements that come out and then, you know, they get molded, meshed, edited um, until there's one the full team agrees to, um, which then again, right, sitting in some silence to have everyone come in. Um, so this is maybe like active storytelling rather than, you know, just passively getting um, a story narrated to you um, and then focusing on the jobs to be done. But so after our team has gone through that exercise within Epic Grooming, it was having, we were having better conversations once grooming stories. But I thought I'll, I saw a lot of positive around that. And then what I also found and realized and experienced was, say you had an Epic, we groomed those stories. It was like, awesome, banger, we're getting this. The team is rocking again. Say we didn't come back to stories about that Epic for like, two sprints yeah. it was kind of like and then you know by i just designers are just really quick to be like oh yeah here's my design so let's talk about it we kind of we forgot all of that context that we knew of the story so we learned that we needed to go do like a brief synopsis of our quote-unquote like epic movie you know um to you know refresh people's minds and it just it leads to better conversation um, it's leading to better product development for our team. Um, and so that's, again, like really long tangent story because I'm obsessed with this now. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> is that there's not necessarily only one time that you do storytelling. It's 
I think anytime in your project team, I think the only time maybe you don't do it is when you're doing user interviews, right? When you're testing with users, because you're trying to see what they're just doing in their environment. You're not trying to like set them up in any way, but right, it's sharing back your user research that you have found and the patterns that you found. You can do story, storytelling, um, sharing designs, um, sharing anything back with the client. So you can really, you use it a lot. And I think it's really helpful for context. So I'm gonna go, first off, thank you for that. Um, I'm gonna, I like, I know you love this so much. So I feel like I'm like, I'm just gonna like continue asking these these questions to you. So with the, with the team, and this is kind of like what I experienced as well when I was on um, a couple of those meetings that you were leading. So, basically like the team comes together and like gets to know like the problem very well so that everyone can be on the same page for the solution um, through storytelling. How does it work with a client? Yeah. That's great. Is it as nitty gritty? Is it as, um, cause I don't think I've been on some of these, like obviously like we've been on a ton of meetings with clients together and like trying to like one like one thing I think we always run into as designers and trying to um, provide solutions is kind of exactly what you were saying earlier. Like, don't look at the design, look at the, like, mm-hmm. look at the bigger picture. Like the text isn't going to be like purple. I Like some, like, yeah. it's not going to be like orange and purple or whatever, you know, whatever. Right. Like um, we can change that, but does that really affect the solution? And, you know, at yeah. some extent it does, but like, if that user flow of the solution isn't right, changing the text color isn't going to correct that. Yeah, exactly. So then how how do we like how do how do designers like then are like, all right, like we're gonna do storytelling with a client? Cause I don't think I've been in like how does how do the meetings go now? Yeah, so I am going to um, read from my computer to make sure I get it right. Um, the story arcs from Bob Rica, because I think it was really it was really well said. It's really concise. It's super easy to follow. But he has two story arcs that he shares. One is for setting expectation and getting buy-in. Um, and that can be done with anyone. I know a lot of people will think, oh, obvious check for the client. But sometimes you also just need buy-in from your developers. I think as um, the researchers and the designers on the team, right, we're out there and actively interacting with our users and we're hearing what their pain points are like over and over and over and developing that empathy. But then you have to know, right? Like are everyone else who wasn't there isn't spending, like if you have five user interviews, that's already five hours plus whatever time to do the analysis. And then to create like your presentation or documentation of your, um, the patterns that you found from what they were telling you. Right. So just for fun, like it's, 10 to 15 hours, right? We've been embedded in it. Everyone else hasn't, right? They are not connected to it like we are. Um, so uh, the story arc for setting expectations and buy-in for the future is there's three parts. Um, both of the story arcs have three parts, so that's even better. Um, this is where we are. This is where we want to be. And this is how we get here. And that can also include um, what we need to be successful. That one. Do we like we as the 
do we provide that information mm-hmm. as like, is that like the level setting that you do when you go into the meeting, you say like, you know, these three things and then you, then you can go into the solutioning or yes. do you like come up? Okay, cool. Go yeah. Ahead. I would, from personal experience, from both just doing like, Hey, this is where we need to get to and how we're going to be successful. I think that's how usually designs and solutions are presented without giving the context of everything else and not just making it clear what problem we are solving for. Um, I've noticed our team, this has like been a slow roll that we're getting better and better and more like complete in what we're doing. Um, but meetings with stakeholders um, or clients to review the solutions has started out with like, like I don't even know like the specific words, but right, like we're gonna kick off the meeting with, hey, this is that problem statement that we're talking about right now. So even just, we started adding that in, just the, you know, the context of what are we talking about right now? I think just switches everybody's minds off of just responding to the visuals and responding to what the whole thing is. Um, So then we've also added when we talk about, well, this is a problem we're resolving. This is now the flow we think that users should follow to resolve that problem. So now, right, you're just getting into like little squares that are like showing like user did this and then they had an option of this and that. So we're giving context and learning stuff before people are seeing the visuals to react to and getting that context and getting on the same page um, has really been helpful. So then when we go and share the visuals, that feedback is more about the solution than the specifics on the screen. Yeah, like the my favorite oh like make this look prettier this isn't pretty enough like (laughs) right we get get past that yeah right and some of that is and I like I still think it's right people react to what they know um right like or what really speaks to them or what they really care about but so if I give them context though of like you know this is this is where we're at what we're doing we get past like make this pretty or like blah 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 and so we're not having those stereotypical conversations um, uh so then um that, that was arc one did you want to go into the second arc yeah. okay cool I, I i know i like cut you i was like i got like into it i was like asking questions no i'm glad you're getting into it i am so thrilled to have found this um the second one is the story arc to build trust and um trust in the ability to deliver results so this one is, right, we've gotten, we've set expectation about what we are going to solve for and maybe um, what the scope is um, and you've gotten buy-in to go forward. So now this is building trust into that what we are, like what the proposed solution is will deliver the results. So this is, um, it's similar to the first three, but it's, this is where we were. So it's your current state of your product and the user problem. This is what we learned from the research or from whatever your testing was. And now this is how we're proposing to improve on that problem that you're solving for. I um, I love this because I, I know we um, talked about it just for a sec beforehand that this could also apply to project management. So I was typing and I was like, oh, like start out with level setting and then like having people trust that your solutions will work. So yeah, this is this is awesome. Um, what trips, tips, and tricks do you have to do it well? So I would say 
um, well, right, with anything, it's practice, practice, practice. So our team is not only doing it um, when we're presenting, well, our team is now doing it every time that we're presenting within our group. I'm using the same principles when I am sharing back with the client as the product owner, um, which I know you asked a question about how do you do this with the client? Um, we recently had to do one before, and I would say um, it was the setting expectations arc that I used. Um, Cause I did, I came back and I pulled out a lot of um, this is where we are. And then a lot of, a lot more of what we've learned. So I kind of blended the two um, because we were having requests for solutions that were conflicting from our client and our stakeholders. So it was like, where are we? What if we learned um, that our users needed one? And then this is how we'll get there and gave them, you know, that plan for how we move forward to get the buy-in. Um, so that one was a little blend um, between the two story arcs. But again, right, it was giving them that context rather than we had a lot of meetings that we were saying what the solution was already and just saying it was because there was a lot of assumptions because we've talked about this one project for over a year now that everybody was on the same page when in fact, I forget which meeting we were in and I was like, oh my gosh. We are all like on different islands, different or different pages of the same book. <laughs> it was like, we need to come back. And so we put together this presenta presentation, um, again, right? Like two level set, like let's focus on what is that future buy-in and how do we progress? Um, so practice like everything and anything, any skill you wanna get better at, you keep practicing. Um, and then I would say having these three, points of the story arc, it's really easy right before you go to present, um, you know, the day before, even an hour before, because it's, you know, your work, right? You know what you've done, being able just to write out a bulleted outline real quick of, all right, when it gets handed off to me, and I'm going to like talk about this project, I'm going to let everyone know, okay, this is where we were, and this is what we learned, and now here, see, this is our proposal for how it's improved. Um, I think that will help you feel organized in when you're sharing it, right? Because you've already written it down. Maybe you've said it to yourself. Um, and that is probably the biggest tip. Um, our team just did it yesterday before backlog refinement. And I think it went really well. Um, I know for myself, I've struggled with it before in presenting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one that like really loves all this stuff and to nerd out about it. So um, like when you're presenting like with your PM or your client or, you know, your QA or your developer, it's knowing that you might feel like you're really getting into the weeds of it and stuff, but it is helping people and that you might be talking for a while. Um, I would add in another tip of something that our team is also practicing a lot more while presenting anything is um, asking questions after short, like chunks of information. So maybe, you know, for this, you add, this is where we were, explain where we were, and then ask if anyone has any questions. Um, I think these are good tips, especially in remote, because you can't see people's body language or see like their eyes or their body. Like, you know how like, you kind of move and you're like, oh, that was interesting. I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, intentionally making time for some silent space for questions to come up. Um, and then always, it's totally fine to add live on the fly. Um, 
you know, or if someone like asks you a question that like you weren't expecting, it's totally okay. You will get through it. Yeah. And I think uh, with like that exact, like it's, it's totally fine to be like, that's a great question. Like I need to like go back and do some research. I need to like circle back with my team to get back to you. Um, but you know, we'll, we can follow up in, in a post meeting email or post meeting yes. call, you know, something like that. That is a great tip that having that was it like a scapegoat like phrase. And that's not a scapegoat because that is not like putting someone out of the bus. But anyways, having that phrase when like you get a question that you weren't ready for, um, for either like you hadn't thought about it yet, you're really not sure if you're the right person to be answering it. Because sometimes, especially in government contracting, that can get weird. Um, so that like, oh yeah, totally. You know, that's a great question. I will have to get back to you. Um, I have to go ask, you know, whoever you know is the best person to answer that information. I would say that is a totally good professional saving grace statement when you get caught in a bind. Yeah. And I think that people, like people understand because like, you don't want to put your foot in your mouth or like, you don't want to like say like, especially like with like questions around development. Like I definitely feel like it's so much safer to be like, Oh, let me go ask my developer. Cause you can't like, you don't want to promise something Mm -hmm. and then like go back to your teammate and they're like, like that doesn't exist or I don't know, like something crazy. (laughs) Like, you know, it just, it like, they don't connect. So yeah, I think that it's totally, I think it's a very acceptable answer that people will appreciate, even if you yourself during the moment are like, oh, like I didn't like, don't get down on yourself to, yeah. to that way. Yeah. So, sure. and then, so with this, like kind of, um, with this new format of storytelling, mm-hmm. um, how would you say that the feedback has, has the feedback improved, like client feedback improved? Yeah. So we haven't, we're, we will be presenting to the client in like a week or two on a pretty big um, project scope. Um, but I think previously when we've been doing pieces of it and didn't realize how to like formalize doing it, but like, you know, it was pieces of it were happening. It went so much smoother than the stereotypical like move this like to the right a little bit, like change this <laughs> color, like do a circle instead of a rectangle or like, let me see eight bazillion iStock images um, to put in this one space. We didn't have those. So I think there's a lot of value in it. I think if you are a person who is struggling to feel like you're not getting the feedback that you needed from the client or they're not telling you the things that you needed, um, because that is, I've seen and heard that struggle um, from designers. And I know my struggle was always like, I need to be there to like, I think it's so much more from body language than like you just relaying the, the message. But I think having, if I had shared my work with whoever was presenting it, because sometimes you have those, those structures where the designer isn't actually presenting the work. But if I had those bullet points for whoever was, Right, that feedback could come, at least it comes back and I know how it was presented because maybe that's where that context was missing. Um, but that sharing it in this way, I think will help a lot of designers specifically who feel like they struggle in not understanding 
the feedback that they get from the client or not getting the type of feedback that they're looking for, you will now start to because you are, you're adjusting what they're focusing on through the story. And then like keeping on the same sort of vibe of like working with our clients, is this something that um, can clients sort of develop, really bring um, storytelling into their, their practices as well? Yeah, if they, I feel uncomfortable answering this, Liz. I'm not telling the client what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if they find value in it, they would like to. I mean, right, because it would be them presenting it up higher up the ladder. So I don't know what their relationships are. You know, I don't know what their processes are. Um, I'm learning a lot. Like you said, you're learning different protocols. Um, we have had a change, and it's just it's interesting from like their background that it's just, we have different protocols now than we did a year ago. Um, but so I, I don't feel comfortable answering that because I don't know their perspective and what they deal with. Got it. So never mind. Backtrack off of that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the client is ever going to story tell to us. I mean, maybe if they want to, right. I mean, also if they find value in it, like go get them girl. Like I would love if you like, we all story tell now, but also tell you, I did not understand this concept up until like two weeks ago or not understand how to apply it as clearly as I do now. Um, so I have a, okay. So then I have like a, a like an impractice question for you um, because I also know how passionate about agile and scrum you are. So if someone's like, oh, like this is awesome. Like we need to bring this into our team. You, when you were explaining storytelling, you started talking about, like you, you started at the point of grooming epics. Mm-hmm. Um, now in practice, like with agile, if people are like, very, you know, if they're like a scrum team and they're very into agile, is that a recommendation of where you would have them start? Are there, um, do you add like another meeting into this? Um, like how did, how can like, how does it go from like, how do you actually like do it and like incorporate it into your scrum? I want to say lifestyle, but scrum team, like team. Yeah. Into the <laughs> events. Yeah. So no one has to worry. It is not an additional meeting. It's actually, okay. um, things, we do it during backlog refinement and sprint planning. It's just instead of having like the, okay, is this story good? Like, how do you think this story should be? Like, da, da, da. it's just now our conversations around each um, story ticket or each epic. So you obviously do the epic grooming when you realize you need to create a new epic. So whenever that creation of that epic happens, um, maybe not necessarily in that meeting, but in like a follow-up meeting, you need to go through and groom that epic before you get too far into the weeds of all the stories that you're making. Um, Because grooming that epic can also help you uh, not create extra stories that maybe aren't needed and you find out that they're not needed until later on. Um, But it's just, it's getting, it's a more structured, I don't like moving my hands, like (laughs) conversations, you know, they have more of a structure and we know how to present and talk about it um, during refinement. Like there's more purpose now that we're following the story arc when we're presenting about tickets, epics, designs. Uh, Question for you with this. um, So who puts in, I know that we'd like talked about like the UX researcher, um, you know, UX team, 
product owners, who is sort of like the driving force behind presenting this information? Like who, like who leads the meeting? So we, or I guess the conversation within the meeting, I don't, yeah. I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, watch my Scrum Master videos this episode it's like, da da da. Like, <laughs> said something wrong. No, she was totally nice. She wouldn't be like, blah, 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 like a mean way at all. But um, we're trying to like, trying to clarify because our team has definitely blurred things with people overlaying some of the responsibilities of Scrum. So more like, blah, 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 just correcting me um, from our team overlapping. Um, so we usually, we kick off the ceremonies, um, kind of depending with, so where this will be happening and planning and refinement for us. Um, so, uh, the scrum master and I, we talk a lot. So, you know, sometimes she's kicking off the meeting because something needs to be addressed, or I'm just going ahead and going into the meeting, but who is doing the storytelling is everybody. Um, so I said, uh, like I said earlier, um, and we had a refinement session yesterday, both of uh, the UX designers uh, had their own tickets and presented using um, the second story arc of the, this is where we were, this is what we learned, and this is how we're improving. They both presented it on their tickets that they were presenting to get um, development technical feedback because um, we're getting ready to present to the client. So, but we want to make sure that what we're presenting um, is one feasible, technically doable, and that two, the developers are understanding the purpose. Like, why why are they going to put so many hours into this work um, before we go to the client? Um, I, no, this, this like makes sense. Like, I feel like you played it out of like a very. It's like a very. It's very logical. It's very um, like adaptable to like team structures mm-hmm. and like I said like. Like, oh, like these seem like things that you could apply to project management, Scrum, obviously, uh, like UX and design. But then like, even with like, if you're a business analyst or like coming up with um, requirements, like this just, it can be applied to so many things. It gives like a full 360 of the solution that, the problem you're working towards and the solution that you're you're, um, creating. Yes, I love that you just brought up requirements because that popped in my head um, just a second ago too. And I was like, it's even like, right, you can um, you can give context to why we have these requirements, right? Um, and meaning to the requirements more than just like, well, here it is, black. Yeah. Yeah, because I think sometimes like, de- you know, depending upon how large the team is, like there are so many factors that go into like diving with your team but a lot of times with requirements like you're just, you're like told them mm-hmm. and this is like you're like like this needs to be created because xyz problem and like this kind of makes it so much more accessible to everyone involved like you know your your program manager understands going on and then you know your ba no like everyone knows what's going on because you're doing this activity together mm-hmm. so then you're kind of like in the same you're all in like this like lockstep you're all in lockstep so instead of like you know like sometimes you kind of get like thrown in it's like yes build this thing and the developer is like well i don't know why but i'm doing it i don't think this is gonna work right like having that buy-in rather than being just told and like okay oh this is awesome okay so uh, i'm with i'm like i'm taking this too uh okay so 
Um, what are, I know kind of give, you've given some great tips of like, basically like, you know, how, like why this is important, like tips and tricks to like doing it well. But then I guess if, if someone like who's listening was like, oh, I, I, you know, regardless of whatever their position in the team is, if they wanted to, if they're like, oh, this is something that like our team could benefit from, like, but clearly like, you know, we may not be on the same page and like, you know, there's a million reasons you want to use storyboarding. Um, Like what, like how can they approach their team to be like, we should try this out? Um, That question makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think you can just, I don't know. I feel like, like what I do with our team, I'm like, Hey, I learned this. Do you guys want to try it out? And then we try it. And there's been things that I've learned that like have failed, but like everything, we just scrap it and move on to the next thing and things that work, we keep, you know, refining and making it better. Um, again, right. That's, I feel like that's a hard question to answer because I don't know everyone's team uh, perspective, but if it's like, if you hear this episode and you're like, dude, I love it. I'm going to do it. I think this has a lot of value. I feel fairly confident to say like, go ahead and add this into how you present or adjust how you've been presenting to include this, see how it goes, you know, see how your team responds. It might take a couple of times, right? One for you to even get better at it. Um, (laughs) Because like a funny story, I'll call myself out. Um, I forget what exercise or like workshop thing we were, oh, I think it was in the epics grooming. We were running through that and we got to the jobs to be done, um, which was the first time I was trying to do that exercise without notes in front of me because I was screen sharing. So for the team to see my screen um, and didn't have my double monitor set up for whatever reason. And I remember um, right, the team was having a lot of really great questions and I was like newer to me and I was like, I'll have to, like, I'll have to get back to you guys. Like, I don't remember, like, we could just wrap up right at this moment. It was towards the end of the meeting time anyway, so it wasn't, like, abrupt. But I remember calling myself out because one of our teammates said something. I was like, oh, what? You don't like to just, like, lead a full team in an exercise that you're not very good at? Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes those things happen. But since then, I've done it a lot more. And, like, it's good. And, right, so – if you were to judge based off of that one time, you maybe say like it was a 50-50 fail pass because I like right, I was also practicing and learning and getting better at it. That yeah. that we continue to do it. Um, I mean, I'm bought in personally for our team. It's it's working and it's I'm sure we will continue to customize it for our team. Um, but yeah, if you're able to, if you're presenting stuff, um, right, there's really like nothing ethically wrong with presenting it like this way, right? There's nothing legally wrong, um, right? You're not going to get in the hot seat for anything. So I feel pretty safe of if you want to present your next design solutions or your next um, requirements meeting this way, you sh- it should be okay. Your team might be like a little shell-shocked and quiet as to like, why are we getting all this information? But that's not necessarily <laughs> that thing. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that's great advice. Just like jump in and go with it. Um, one last question I have for you is, um, with, in regards to documentation, mm-hmm. um, how, 
do you just like um, any notes that come up during the meeting? Do you put them into that particular story, the epic? Like, um, how can people document the great conversation that comes out of the um, these team meetings? Like, what? It, like any tips, tricks, anything? Um, I think. Oh my gosh, I feel like I have the worst answers today. It's like, oh, it's all very subjective to you. Like, I'm so <laughs> no, but it is, no, it's, but, it's very customizable. Maybe like yeah. that's, that's good. So I can say what our team does um, since we follow Agile and we use Jira and Confluence. Um, the conversations in the Epic grooming is happening in that Epic ticket. Um, Got it. There's actually, which I don't even think I realized up until like last year, when you create an Epic, you actually create a ticket. Um, so that's where all that content is. And it just, it goes along. I mean, you could take the Epic ticket from um, to do all the way through done and all your steps in between in your workflow, um, which I had no idea. So maybe I'm just behind the ball, but if anyone else oh. didn't know that, your Epics become tickets. Um, and so that's nice. So when you're opening that story in Jira, you have all that, you know, the breadcrumbs, you can always go click back into the Epic one and see all that information all in one spot. Um, for documenting our conversations when we're sharing designs, um, let me say like old school, pre-pandemic, when we print them up, right, you have your printouts and you're either writing right on the printouts, you're putting post-it notes, um, that's a way for the documentation for uh, the team to take back. Um, now we are using Figma, so we just put in the comments. Um, recently, I know sometimes we do, someone's presenting, someone else is taking notes in the back end. For presenting the visual designs, um, that designer has been taking notes or whoever's presenting at the same time. Um, so because like, sometimes I'll present stuff if someone's out or if it's even just what I worked on. We just document it right in Figma. Um, and then, like I just said, sometimes there's we're presenting and then we're storing a page of notes. Um, for our team, we're using Confluence. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other cloud storage-based things to use out there, products. Um, but so we just create a page, line it up. We have like the POC of the comment just so we know who to go back to, you know, for when we resolve it or need more information. Um, and their comment. Nice. Yeah. Um, I know we started, um, I love doing the comments on the fly mm -hmm. with, um, I, with the client. Cause I feel like that has made, like you have your POC to go back to, and then it's like right on the screen with them. Yeah. So like, there's no room for interpretation. It's like, you know, you, you miss that step, but like you cut out that step of like, Oh, I thought you meant this. No, I meant this. It's like, mm -hmm. We are, we're, we're together on this. Yeah. That's what's really nice about, um, right. Like a, a positive to the whole pandemic is all of those virtual collaboration tools, uh, right. We're using Figma now there's Miro we've used, um, and Envision has something. I don't remember what it's called, but those are all really nice. So even while you're going through the story arc, right. You can show, Hey, this is where we were. You have your chunk of the old mockups. Um, yeah. specifically for a lot of designers, we never want to lose the previous stuff. So you're just making copies and copies and creating massive files, but it's okay. Cause you can always, cause you always know sometimes people are like, Oh, but what about like that design from somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Never want to overwrite it. So you can just copy it over. Um, but it's really helpful in these story arcs of like, Hey, this is where we were. 
or even um, especially when we were in Miro, which I think we've done it in Fig Jam, we can go and reference the research, like oh, where we've yep. done affinity mapping or um, rainbow charting um, or even the goals and pain points chart. We can grab screenshots and drop that in next to it. So then you also have those visuals as you're going through your story. And then you have, you know, your new set of designs about this is how we improved. And like you said, the comments are nice. Um, so like with stakeholders, when they're like, oh, but didn't I say last time? You, you just have it right there. It streamlines conversation. Um, and then comments are nice with developers because we can make the comments about like level or F of effort um, and sometimes get into some technical conversation. Um, even before we're ready to build out the tickets, but it's documented somewhere and with the visual. Yeah, no, that um, I found when we have gone back to um, referencing our research, like with the evening maps and, mm -hmm. and uh, goals and pain points and stuff like that, that has been like tremendously helpful. So I love that you brought it up. And also like, I love city mapping. So I'm like, of course we should bring that. We should use that. So, uh, that's awesome. So I have put you in the hot seat for a while now. Um, as we kind of wrap up this episode, any other like tips, tricks, um, advice, last thoughts that you want to throw out to our listeners about this topic? I know, like, I know, I like feel like how like, you're like in it for this. I, right, because it's like, I don't know if you've ever experienced, like, for so long, you're like, I get it. I understand, like, from the high, high in the sky, like, 35,000 foot, I get, I get that this should matter, and I get that this could be better for me. Um, but yeah, like, again, we were talking about this earlier, storytelling to me, storyboarding to me, from just the design field, means different than this. And so it was nice to finally find that resource, resource that was this is the tangible things. This is how your art goes. And not just seeing all of the things that are like the six pieces of storytelling, like the hero's um, arc or the hero's journey, I mean, um, journey and like all of that other stuff that probably makes sense to people who produce movies, like Hollywood movies, but I couldn't figure out how, how did you translate that? I just need an audio track. That's really, you know, I just need the soundtrack to the visuals. How do I create that? Um, I think uh, Bob Ricca really laid it out nicely. Awesome. Uh, we will... Uh, we'll link all the resources that you found and in, in our podcast description so people can check Bob out as well. And then um, any other resources that you have we'll, on this topic we'll also put so people can kind of get a glimpse into what you've done to like take on this uh, new venture. So uh, with that, uh, this was Mocket. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends and join us next time. If you're interested in learning more about how government and tech collide, visit metrostar.com and follow us on our socials. Marie is a former visual designer turned agile-loving, human-centered design advocate. They have helped government organizations for almost a decade build successful digital products by aligning cross-functional teams around a deep understanding of the user at the heart of their mission. Marie is passionate about advancing girls and women in technology and has curated several educational, hands-on experiences for all ages. Liz is a user experience strategist turned project manager committed to human-centered driven approaches and results. 
She has worked on 20 plus higher education, government, and client-facing websites and software platforms, creating long-lasting, user-focused digital solutions. Liz is devoted to equity and strives to celebrate diversity and inclusion.